St John of the Cross tells us, Without the aid of mental prayer, the soul cannot triumph over the forces of the demon. Welcome to the Meditation and Mental Prayer podcast. This is Catholics Talking to God. My name is Christabel and I'm a Catholic teacher and theologian. This podcast is predominantly about mental prayer and all things that lead to mental prayer. For instance, we'll be talking about living in the presence of God and we'll be examining how best to do that. In this, our second episode, we're going to be looking at some of the things that put people off mental prayer and why so many of them give up too soon. But before we delve into that, let's recap what we learned in episode one. We learned that the three goals in doing mental prayer should be, number one, the desire to live in the presence of God always. Number two, we must seek to become perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And number three, we must make a daily commitment to do mental prayer. And of course, this is the seven steps in the structure of doing mental prayer. Number one, the preparation. Number two, our reading. Number three, reflecting on what we read. Number four, the colloquy. Number five, the thanksgiving and resolution. Number six, our offering. Number seven, we implore God's help. But of course, as time goes on and we practice this more and more, we won't need the steps because we will go into it automatically and it will flow and be a very intimate thing between Jesus and ourselves. So in looking and discussing what it is that keeps people from doing mental prayer and progressing in it, first of all, really need to look at distractions. And the reason we have so many distractions is that, first of all, we're just not determined enough to be successful and we are, we expect too much too soon. And on a particular day, we're tired, hungry, overstressed or even in pain. And of course, these things set us back. As human beings, we love to be successful and to feel successful. So this is a whole new learning curve for us because we're only going to be as successful as Jesus wants us to be. So let's look at distractions first of all. And the distractions initially come from our old enemy, the devil. He hates to see us pray because he knows that mental prayer takes us into God. And so he will do all sorts of things, very crafty things to keep us from beginning our mental prayer and from being able to sustain it. He knows that through mental prayer, we can become extremely holy and he hates that. He catches us easily through pride in other prayer duties. I mean, you know, people love to tell each other how many rosaries they've said each day or how many times when we keep a fast on Wednesday and Friday, we make sure that our friends know about it. I wonder how often after doing an amount of penance, we smile and congratulate ourselves or tell someone about it because little do we realise how often the evil one turns aside from us with a satisfied smile. That satisfied smile is because he's been successful to ensnare us once again in pride. This is serious and sad for remember Jesus warned us, take heed that you do not your justice before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you shall not have a reward of your father who is in heaven. And Jesus continues by telling us how we are to pray. He says, 
But thou, when thou shalt pray, enter into thy chamber, and having shut the door, pray to thy father in secret, and thy father who seeth in secret will repay thee. That's Matthew chapter 6. The first is from verse 1. And that second piece is from verse 6. To follow what Jesus requires of us, we have to enter into our chamber. This is both physical, which is a place where we can be alone and unobserved to talk to God. It's also spiritual and it's a place within us, a chamber within us, a place in our hearts. It is imperative that we get good at mental prayer so that we can apply the lessons we learn to all our other prayer. That is, when we're at Mass, when we say our Rosary, if we say the Divine Office or the Little Office of the Blessed Virgin, all the prayers that we say or experience during the day, we need to be able to apply what we have learned in our mental prayer. So old scratch as we call him, will be alert when he sees us intent on mental prayer. He knows that during mental prayer, we're going to learn about our pride. He knows that this is the time when God can show us how to be humble. But, you know, we can't blame the devil for all our distractions because we so love our thoughts and emotions and we encourage them in us. We often prefer our distractions than in thinking about prayer and holy things. So the idea is to bring our minds under control. So what are distractions? Well, everybody has their favourite, don't they? As we spend most of our days entertaining ourselves and our thoughts to such an extent that we misuse our memory, intellect and will, that it's not surprising when we come to mental prayer that we cannot control our minds. Some people suffer from a constant chatter of thoughts all day long and it is nearly impossible to turn the stuff, all that stuff, off and enter into mental prayer with ease. On the other hand, doing mental prayer will make us aware of this noise within us and in turn it will lead us to quiet in our daily lives and thus if we work at it, we'll make it easier to do our mental prayer. So that's one of our goals, our personal goals that we should have is to become recollected. Remember that old word we used to hear? Recollected. During the day we're hoping that we can look at our thoughts, bring them to mind and subdue them. So as mental prayer helps us to be aware of the noise within us and in turn it leads us to discern how much we need quiet in our daily lives. We do need to be imploring God, and I mean imploring him to give us the grace to bring our minds under control. At a moment's notice, we must be able to restrict our thinking, and this can only be done with practice. Our desire, obviously, in mental prayer is to be successful, and that's natural and praiseworthy. If we don't have that desire, we're not likely to get very far. However, that desire can work against us if at first we don't recognise what is success and what is failure. Because of this, we're open to being disappointed in the results of our time in meditation and we, we might feel very dissatisfied and decide that the rosary is far more enjoyable for us and give up on mental prayer. 
We may become disillusioned because we hoped for more sublime experiences uh, with the promise of coming so close to God as the saints did. The distractions really hurt our pride and this is the reason most people give up too soon. Instead, these distractions should highlight for us the place in our lives we need to bring under control. In Exodus 34, 14 we read, The Lord, his name is jealous. He is a jealous God. When our distractions take our minds away from God during mental prayer, he gazes after us. For we are saying to him, this thought is more important to me than the thoughts of you. Distractions are hard things and they're definitely the first hurdle to be overcome when we try to gain entry into the throne room of our hearts where God dwells. St. Teresa describes these distractions as like a moat surrounding the castle. Instead of water, this moat is filled with lizards, serpents and all kinds of vermin which attack us to hold us up on our journey into God. If we recognise our distractions and name them, we highlight them and are then better to be able to control them. Because if you know what something is, you can have better control over it. Now here's a little tip to help us overcome the distractions of thinking of our daily duties, which we must carry out later in the day. So we come to our mental prayer and we come prepared with pen and paper. And when you first sit down with Jesus and you've brought the presence of God into the room with you, begin with pen poised. Now you choose your own words and sentiments, but it goes something like this. You say to Jesus, Lord, I'm just going to write down here the things it is my duty to do today. And you quickly jot down a list. You be aware and you realise that he is reading the words that you've written on the list. You then ask for his blessing over these tasks and you explain to him that you will be in his presence all during these tasks throughout the day. Now, that's all. That's all you do. Then say, conversationally, Now, Lord, will we look at our reading for today and lift your Bible, your holy book, your journal, whatever it is you're using. There is another type of thought distraction, which is infuriating, especially when you believed you were doing so well. It's the one I call, how did I get here? That's the occasions when you become aware that you're having a mental talk with a member of your family about what they would like for Christmas. And this is the month of July. It happens more often, I find, during the rosary when in frustration you ask yourself, how did I get here? Why am I thinking about this? And you're determined to get to the root of your fickle thoughts and you trace back the thought steps only to discover that you began with a very holy and enlightened thought about the wise men. Oh dear, is there an answer to this one? Unfortunately, only practice and perseverance will make things better. Remember, pray for the grace to become perfect in prayer. The next hurdle we'll examine is that of sloth in mental prayer. It's not so much in the prayer itself that we experience the sloth, but it's in the preparation of our minds and hearts that it's such a chore. We should be doing spiritual reading every day. We ought to be practising silence in our everyday lives. And of course, there is this business of recollection. Recollection is when you practise being in the moment that is happening right there and then. And you do that by 
bringing to mind the presence of God. And that should be done quite often during the day. So that if you do those three things, you prepare your mind more readily for the practice of mental prayer. And indeed, practicing mental prayer will in its turn make you aware of the need to do these three things. That is being silent within, reading scriptures and holy books and also practicing the presence of God during the day. There are times when we are slothful, when we arrive at prayer. We rhyme off some prayers without any attention to what we're saying. And I find this most often happens when approaching the rosary. And I discover I have said an entire decade without much thought at all. This is so disrespectful to God and his Holy Mother. When I complain about this to people, they often say to me, well, at least you were saying it. Gosh, what is that supposed to mean? That while I was saying holy words, I wasn't chatting and committing the sin of detraction? I'm not supposed to do that anyway. Or does it mean you're obviously a good person? At least you wanted to pray the rosary. Well, we know the terrible answer to that one. The way to hell is paved with good intentions. Now there is a way to stop yourself rushing into the rosary with thoughts flying and that is to speak to Jesus first and say something along the lines of Lord, I'm going to say the rosary now. I'll be meditating upon the joyful mysteries. You continue talking about the rosary to Jesus, more or less outlining the content of the decades until you gauge that you're in the zone of being able to apply your heart and mind to your prayers. Obviously now you can appreciate the treasure there is for your spiritual life in using the structure of mental prayer. You can't go flying into it. You must practice recollection. You have to practice silence within that only allows conversation with God. You can understand now why mental prayer is imperative for the salvation of your soul. And the lessons you learn through mental prayer will permeate into all the rest of your prayer life, making it more pleasing and acceptable to God. Inconsistency can make problems for us in our mental prayer and be one of the reasons that we give up. So inconsistency, at first using the seven steps will keep us focused. That's understandable. However, as we do mental prayer more often, there could be a tendency to approach mental prayer in a blasé manner because we feel we've got quite good at it and we know it so well. We can slowly slip into a situation where we come before God without any preparation because we feel that we no longer need it. We've had a few moments of inner enlightenment and we quickly end our prayer time and we're happy with that. On the other hand, inconsistency can lead us to enjoy the reading of Holy Scripture and spend all our time examining the theme of the peace we've chosen. And this halts us at the meditation stage and our mental prayer just doesn't happen. And at the end, we've simply been studying. Distractions can also come from bodily discomfort if we're just not well. We could be overtired. We might be suffering from an underlying depression. Our joints might be giving us trouble. Our stomach balance might be off and not easily detected is brain fog. All bodily discomfort makes it more difficult to be successful at mental prayer and inclined to allow us to give up the practice altogether. Be aware of the effects of pain. Be aware of the effect of pain on you and confine your meditation 
to the passion and death of our Saviour. Move with your pain into the Kaleloque and use it to be closer to Jesus. This should have good results. Now with brain fog, you don't know you have it until you wake up. At least that's been my experience. I was diagnosed as being pre-diabetic and I decided to come off sugar completely. I discovered that nearly everything except meat has sugar. So I ended up only eating meat for a month and I woke up. It was a shock. I discovered so much about my life. I just hope God takes it into consideration on the day of judgment. This leads me to consider what the saints describe as aridity in prayer. The old serpent wants us to be discouraged in prayer and with no feeling at all during mental prayer. It's a sure way to get us to stop. We'd be hard pressed not to say to ourselves, what's the use? That is when sticking to the seven step structure comes to our aid. We continue. We keep going. We continue to come back each morning into the presence of God and we meditate and do mental prayer. As they say, this too shall pass. There is as much pride in having satisfaction because our prayer time was good as there is in complaining about aridity and stale prayer times. The pride is still the same. We think we are terrific. Uh, This is when we accept God's will for us, when in the midst of aridity and we can't seem to get out of it. We've all read how both St. Teresa and St. John of the Cross say that it was during aridity or the dark night of the soul that they advanced in holiness the most. I used to think it was wrong to pray when you didn't feel like it, that it was insincere or hypocritical. It wasn't any use priests and people assuring me that this in fact was the opposite, that in fact praying when we don't feel like it is more pleasing to God. I eventually only accepted it because I read the great saints were saying it. But I have to admit secretly, in the recesses of my mind, I'm not entirely convinced. Here is what St. Teresa says about distractions and being able to get our mind to think about God. She says, O sisters, those of you whose minds cannot reason for long, or whose thoughts cannot dwell upon God, but are constantly wandering, must at all costs form this habit. I know quite well that you are capable of it. For many years I endured this trial of being unable to concentrate on one subject, and a very sore trial it is. But I know the Lord does not leave us so devoid of help that if we approach him humbly and ask him to be with us, he will grant our request. If a whole year passes without our obtaining what we ask, let us be prepared to try for longer. Let us never gauge time so well spent, who after all is hurrying us. I am sure we can form this habit and strive to walk at the side of this true master. I am not asking you now to think of him or to form numerous conceptions of him or to make long and subtle meditations with your understanding. I am asking you only to look at him. For who can prevent you from turning your eyes, the eyes of your soul, just for a moment, if you can do no more upon the Lord? You are capable of looking at very ugly and loathsome things. 
Can you not then look at the most beautiful thing imaginable? Your spouse never takes his eyes off you, daughters. He has borne with thousands of foul and abominable sins which you have committed against him. Yet even they have not been enough to make him cease looking at you. Is it such a great matter then for you to avert the eyes of your soul from outward things and sometimes to look at him? See, he is only waiting for us to look at him. He longs so much for us to look at him once more that it will not be for lack of effort on his part if we fail to do so. You have been listening to the Meditation and Mental Prayer podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode on distractions. God willing, you'll join me next week in episode 3 when we prepare for mental prayer by identifying our predominant fault. Thank you for listening and God bless.